Hello, welcome to God Day. I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and today I want to look at a thorny issue, that is Paul's thorn in the flesh. And uh, this is uh, quite a, a, tricky, uh, a, a tricky issue, and uh, I hope that I'll be able to shed some light on what this thorn really was. You know, I, I believe in healing, I believe that the Lord is our healer, uh, and certainly if we're believers, we're in a covenant with God and the Lord is our healer, and that Jesus on the cross, he didn't just die for our sins, he also died for our sicknesses, and that his healing power is available to us to come and receive. But when you try and encourage people in the area of healing, um, very commonly people will say, well, what about Paul's thorn? Uh, and the implication is, well, if uh, Paul's thorn was a sickness, then uh, and Paul asked God to take this thorn, this sickness away, and basically God seemed to say no. Um, you're just going to have to bear up under it, Paul. And so people think, well, if, if it wasn't God's will to, to heal the great apostle Paul, then surely... I, there might, I don't have much chance to be healed. <laughs> and, and so this is used as a basis for unbelief in the area of healing. So let's actually have a proper look at, at what Paul's thorn is. And it also reveals a dynamic principle for Christian living. What God showed him through this thorn was so important and that applies to all of our lives. So let's look at the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7, it says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be, depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And so the, the traditional uh, interpretation, you might say, is that Paul's thorn was a sickness sent by God. Many people just assume this. And it was sent to keep him from being exalted, to keep him from getting into pride because of the great revelations he's received from the Lord. And when he asked God to remove this sickness and to heal him, God basically said no, but he would instead give him the grace to endure that sickness. And I'm sure you've heard this one. And, and if that's true, then of course, that really does undercut our faith in healing because God not only refuses to heal Paul, according to this way of thinking, but also God is actually the one who put the sickness on Paul, essentially. They, they believe that Paul, uh, this, this thorn was given to Paul by God to keep him humble. And so that undermines us, that also makes God the, the source of sickness. So as we look at this passage, we need to ask the question, what is Paul's thorn and where did it come from? Did it come from God or did it come from Satan? Let's, let's read it again. And it's quite clear really, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Uh, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And so let's 
first of all, what is the purpose of this thorn? Um, it says, lest I be exalted above measure. Now the question is, is this a sinful exaltation where Paul is exalting himself in pride, or is it a blessed exaltation whereby God is exalting Paul and his ministries through the revelations he's giving Paul so that more and more people are hearing the truth of God through him? And, and God does exalt people. For instance, with Joshua, in Joshua 3.7, it says, This day, God says to Joshua, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I'm with you. See, the one Peter says, If you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. And so those who submit themselves to God will be exalted by God. So again, when it says, lest I be exalted above measure, this might not be a bad exaltation of pride. This might be a good exaltation of God. And uh, actually, grammatically, in the Greek, both interpretations are possible. In other words, number one, it could mean that Paul was in danger of exalting himself, and so the thorn was given to him by God to keep him humble. Or, on the other hand, if God was the one exalting Paul in his ministry through these revelations, then it must be God's enemy, Satan, who gave Paul this thorn to prevent this exaltation, to stop his ministry. And so the issue is actually clearly settled in the, in the same verse, because he says that this thorn is a messenger of Satan. So very clearly, it didn't come from God. It came from Satan. And, and so it's not talking about Paul exalting himself in pride, but rather this thorn is something sent from Satan to stop Paul's ministry in its progress and its growth. He wanted to hinder the word of God through, through Paul. And so Satan sent this messenger. This, uh, this word, uh, exalted above measure, by the way, is hooper aero, which, which means talking about something that's a, a person being magnified, increased, lifted up to a place of great prestige and influence. And of course, that describes the Apostle Paul's ministry, doesn't it? And, and indeed, Satan's thorn did not stop it, because we're even talking about the Apostle Paul today. He wrote a big part of the New Testament. His, his ministry was exalted, and it, that was of God. And then the abundance of the revelations, again, is a word, hooperballo, that means to throw beyond, is something that's extraordinary, unparalleled, unmatched. These revelations that Paul received were, were beyond, in many ways, what others had received. And so, therefore, th we know that that is certainly true about the Apostle Paul, and thank God for his letters that contain these revelations. And, and so, Paul was becoming one of the most influential men of his day, and his influence has only increased down history. So Satan was greatly alarmed by the progress of the Apostle Paul. Even the other apostles really realized there was something special going on with Paul. And so he launched a full-scale attack to stop his progress, and he wanted to pull him down and discourage him. And uh, now let's see what this thorn was, uh, according to the Bible. Now, first of all, it clearly doesn't refer to a literal thorn in the flesh. 
you know, some big thing sticking out of his thigh because he wouldn't pray to God to remove it. He'd just pull it out himself. All right, so clearly it's a figure of speech. Uh, uh, something that is annoying and painful, a constant source of irritation. So some people suggest that it means a physical sickness, uh, like malaria, epilepsy, or some eye disease. But all of these is just speculations. And actually, we're going to see there's no basis in Scripture to say that it is a sickness. Uh, instead, this, the words in the flesh actually refer to something sent to impede his progress and buffet him that was manifested in blows against his flesh to make him feel weak and to wear him down, to cause him distress again and again. You know, because sometimes God may attack us, uh, sorry, Satan may attack in other areas to compromise us morally. If, if, if there's a minister who's having a great impact, Satan would want to compromise them morally or sexually or in some ways like this. Or, but if that wasn't going to work with the Apostle Paul, and so all that Satan could do actually was send persecution against him and hope that that would discourage him. And that actually is what we're going to see was the thorn in the flesh. It was persecution that very much affected his flesh. But, but just to get a bit more focus on the words, when it says a messenger of Satan, the thorn was actually called a messenger of Satan. Now this is the word angelos, which is the word that's usually translated angel. And whenever the word messenger is used, or angelos, often it refers to angels. Uh, but always it refers to a personality. So this is not a sickness, this is a personality, or personalities. Uh, and so that tells you immediately it's not a sickness. This is actually one of Satan's angels. It should have been translated an angel of Satan. This is one of Satan's angels sent personally to buffet Paul and to stop his ministry. And this angel worked by stirring up opposition and persecution. You'll notice wherever Paul went, there were mobs against him. There was uh, different attacks against him. He suffered many persecutions, all stirred up by this angel. And so that's what the thorn is. It's, it was an angel from Satan. That's what the scripture actually tells us. So we don't have to invent other meanings. Um, he wanted to stop his influence becoming too great. And when it talks about that this thorn was sent to buffet the apostle Paul, this word is used for repeated beatings with a fist. So it's not just a single thing. It's something that just kept happening again and again and again. And, uh, and so this exactly describes the persecutions that just happened regularly in his ministry. So, well, how, how can we be sure that this is talking about persecution? Well, first of all, if we actually look at his ministry in the book of Acts, we say, see no sign that he had any sickness, but what we do see is all the persecutions. You just read the book of Acts uh, from chapter 13 onwards, the constant persecutions. Wherever he went, there were mobs stirred up against him. And Paul knew that this isn't just man. In fact, he wrote in Ephesians 6.12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and so forth. In other words, he knew that behind this nasty persecution of hateful men, then 
it was actually the powers of darkness. And uh, actually we know this also from the context, because in the context, the chapter 11, he gives a, a description of all these persecutions, all these buffetings against his flesh in the immediate context. So we know that that's what he's referring to. The thorn in the flesh is what he had been describing a few verses earlier. Let me just read a few of them. Um, in labors more abundantly, this is chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From, in other words, he was close to death many times. From the Jews, five times I received the maximum of 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Most of these are not in the book of Acts, by the way. The, the book of Acts is just a small sample. Uh, once I was stoned. That's in Acts 14. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I would have been in the deep in journeys often, perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, and so forth. And so you can see this constant attack. You can, no wonder he prayed, God, take this, take this thorn away from me. And, and so this uh, is conclusive, really, when you see this is the actual context. None of these things described in that list refer to any kind of sickness. And so the context tells us that the thorn in the flesh was the persecutions sent to discourage and weaken him, causing him to want to take an early retirement, as it were. And this is confirmed, and this is a nice final confirmation, that uh, in, in Numbers 33, 55, we see that this is a figure of speech that's used elsewhere in the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. If you want to know what a figure of speech means, see where else it's used in the Bible. And in Numbers 33, it says, God says to Israel, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. There it is, thorns in your flesh. And notice they are personalities, will be thorns in your flesh. We have a similar saying, of course, he's a pain in the neck. You see, that's the same idea. And um, it says, they will harass you in the land where you dwell. Joshua 23:13 says again that the, the Canaanites that, that remain in the land will be snares and traps to you, scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes. And again, Judges 2 3 says, they shall be thorns in your side or in your flesh. And so clearly, this figure of speech talks about personalities who will oppose you and pull you in the wrong direction. They will be a constant annoyance because they will constantly oppose you and fight you as you try and make progress. So just like the children of Israel were commanded to do the will of God and possess the promised land, Yet, because of their, um, you know, but, but Satan sends these others who will be thorns in the flesh to try and stop their progress into the promised land, you see. And so it is with Paul. He was facing these, in this case, the thorn in the flesh was the angel of Satan and demonic forces working through human beings to, to persecute him. And, and so... That was, uh, he couldn't bring Paul down any other way, morally 
or get him into spiritual pride or anything like that. So he, all he could do is send persecution against him. But even that backfired, as we're going to see. And so that settles the issue. Forget, put it out of your mind once and for all that Paul's thorn is not a sickness. It is not a sickness. Um, it is the persecutions that Paul felt uh, that came against him. And the effect of these persecutions that Paul admitted was that to make him feel weak. And there's a special word in this passage called weakness, or it, sometimes it's translated infirmity, but it, it, that doesn't mean, that sounds like a sickness, but the word itself it simply means weakness. And, and so these persecutions made him feel weak. And, and so based on that, some people say, oh, it's talking about sickness, but actually it's really just talking about weakness, being aware of his need and inadequacy. And that's what these trials produced. And you know, things happen in our life that make us feel weak. But we're going to see what the key attitude Paul had towards that. When we feel weak, actually, that is an opportunity for God to be strong in our life. So, for instance, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says in, in verse 29, Who is weak? And I am not weak. If I must boast, I must boast in the things which concern my infirmity. That's the same word, weakness. So he is saying, I actually boast in the things that make me aware of my weakness. Uh, and that's an interesting attitude that Paul took there because, well, and we'll see why in a minute. And he says again in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 9, most gladly I will boast in my infirmities, that is, in the things that make me aware of my weakness. And, and he's talking about the thorn in the flesh. What he's realized is, through God's revelation to him, is that actually God is working this thorn in the flesh for good, because it's causing him to depend on God more. We'll see that in a minute. So again, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, the thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure, to stop my ministry. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul naturally asked God to take this persecution away from him. Uh, and God's answer to him was not to say he would take away the persecution. In fact, we, we, we're told that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you want to be free of persecution, you, you've got to leave your body and die and go, go to heaven because um, there will be persecutions in this life. But what God said to him in verse 9 instead was, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. This is a key verse. This actually tells us what grace is, because it's in parallel to my strength, my grace, my strength. And that's the word dunamis, it's the power of God. So the grace of God actually, the mercy of God is God forgiving you of your sins, but the grace of God is God's power in you to live for Jesus. It's his power through the Holy Spirit. So people who are saying, well, I'm under grace, I can do what, what I want, just don't understand what grace is, because grace is the power of righteousness in you through the Holy Spirit to live for the Lord, because we need the grace of God. We can't do it in our own strength. And so 
Christ was saying, actually, my grace is available in you. That power is available to, in you. And it is all sufficient to carry you through this persecution. And he says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, the more you're aware of your weakness, the more you can tap into that power of God, you see. My strength, this is the key principle, my strength, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so when we're feeling strong in ourselves, we don't tend to draw on that power very much because we feel strong in ourselves. But when situations happen in our life that make us feel weak, Paul realized actually there's a positive side to that. Now, though it isn't God sending those bad things, but it is actually God is able to work that for good because in our weakness, we call on God. We call on his strength. We call on his power and more of his power goes forth. And that's what happened in the Apostle Paul. All these attacks only work for, for good because Paul dug deeper in his faith and released more of the power of the Holy Spirit through him. Praise God. And so they deepened his awareness of his weakness and his need for God's grace and his strength and his power. And that caused him to turn to God more and lay hold of that power, that power that's always there, freely available through the Holy Spirit. And so these trials designed by Satan actually led to a greater re release of God's power. He go, that's why he says, therefore, because of this greater release of God's power, most gladly I will rather boast, I'll rejoice in my infirmities, the things that make me feel weak, that the power of Christ might rest upon me, he says, as I, as I accept my weakness and trust in God to be my strength, his power rests upon me. Praise God, it's not just within me, now it comes upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in weaknesses, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake, you see. Why? For Christ's glory, in other words. He's, because more of God's power is released, Christ is glorified. That's why it's for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak in the flesh, when I know I'm weak, then I am strong in the spirit. Praise God. And so he learnt to, as it were, embrace that weakness and depend on God's grace to be his sufficiency. So Satan's plan to discourage him didn't work. Instead, it put the power of God to work even more. Praise God. And so Paul's thorn is, is not a sickness. You know, one, some people point to Galatians 4, where Paul talks about um, the Galatians would have plucked out their eyes and given their eyes to him. You know, oh, there you go. Paul uh, must have had an eye disease. But actually, if you look at the context, he's talking to the Galatians and when he first came to them with the gospel. And if you read in Acts 14, verse 19, it talks about when he went to Galatia and it says, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they roused a mob against Paul. It says they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So he was stoned to death at that point. And then actually he went to heaven because in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about, and this is just a man in Christ 14 years ago, just at that time, uh, was caught up into the third heaven. I believe Paul left his body. He went to heaven because he actually died. And then he was prayed for. And then it says he went into the city the next day and started preaching again. 
Well, of course, if you've just been stoned to death, your face is going to be battered and bruised and your eyes in particular would be totally swollen around there. So that's why they talked about they would have given his, their eyes to him, as it were. Uh, this is not a sickness. This is the result of that persecution that he had. Well, this is a great example of the greater release of God's grace. I mean, first of all, through that experience, even through that persecution in that weakness, God gave him, God gave him a, an experience of heaven's glory. And secondly, God raised him up physically from the dead, giving a witness to the Galatians. And thirdly, God empowered him to walk 20 miles the next day. So God's power was released in his physical body. And so maybe you are going through circumstances, you know, where you are uh, weak and you're so aware of your weakness, you know, see that as an opportunity to experience God's great strength in you. Uh, and through you. Rejoice. Like Paul, he says, thank you, Lord. Your grace is sufficient for me in my weakness. And, and my power, your power is made perfect in my weakness. Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. This is an opportunity to draw upon the grace of God. And as you do that, you will, you will find yourself growing spiritually more. I found that in the harder times of my life, that's when I grow spiritually the most because I, I've got to hold on to God. And so in my weakness, in my inadequacy, I trust in God all the more. And then I discover that his power is made perfect in weakness. You see, we, my grace is sufficient for you. We are meant to live under, the gra under grace, under the reign of grace. The problem is we can only access this grace when we stop trusting in ourselves and trust in his grace. And our fleshly human nature is to depend on ourselves till we come to a point of weakness when we realize we can't do it in our own strength. And then we turn to God for help. And when all is going well, we tend to coast in our own strength. But in our weakness, we discover his strength. And then he is glorified through us. And so we, it's good that we have a revelation of our weakness. Uh, and sometimes it takes circumstances to, to make us aware of our weakness that we actually start to really trust in God with all our heart. And so if you're feeling weak right now, just take this moment and say, Lord, I'm weak, but you're strong. Thank you for your grace is sufficient for me today. Be glorified through me, Lord. Amen.